talking all things theatre and events. Um, I've also worked for artists such as Black Sabbath, Metallica, Drake. I've been part of some amazing shows and I've worked with some amazing people. Nothing that replaces that feeling of being in a gig. The Stage Is Yours podcast. Hello and welcome back to The Stage Is Yours podcast. I'm your host, Cal Graham, joined as always by producer Dan, and we're going to be talking all things theatre and events. So today on the podcast, we're joined by Grace Gallagher and Rachel Smart from Ugly Bucket Theatre. We talk all things Ugly Bucket, from their shows to their style of theatre and the topics that they tackle with their productions. Their shows are rarely sophisticated, often outrageous, and always honest. Ugly Bucket, The Stage Is Yours. Hello and um, welcome to Stages Your Podcast. Uh, today we're joined by Grace and Rachel from Ugly Bucket. How are you guys? Good, thank you. Grand. How are um, you? So, Sorry. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all right, <laughs> thank you. I am all right. Um, slightly odd times, but so Ugly Bucket Theatre, mm. probably arguably one of the most random names I think I've ever heard, not going to lie. Um, Let's talk about the formation. Where does Ugly Bucket come from from for you guys? And obviously a little bit about yourselves as well. Mm. Um, Just kind of set the scene, really. Um, Okay, setting the scene. Um, So Ugly Bucket was formed. um, We both live in Liverpool and we both went to John Moores University and did a drama degree. Um, Never did um, any clowning at uni um, or anything like that. And then... uh, left uni and really struggled with graduating and just that kind of being thrown into real life and I we all felt like it was a bit um like like we weren't like there was we weren't prepared for it (laughs) and like we didn't feel like there was any warning about like how it might feel and um so then like us and a group of friends and it was a way of just keeping myself sane really was we would meet like once a week um, sneaking into the old drama studio because it was a code back then. And now it's like a key card, which is just like, of course, but it used to be a code that we used to know. So we used to sneak in when we knew it wasn't being used in the evenings. And we just like did that one, one night a week um, for about probably like six months or something while we just, and just put together um, a kind of physical clowning techno verbatim show called Ghost Junior Clues and that was all about postgraduate depression so we uh, spoke to like loads of graduates and recorded interviews with them and used that as kind of stimulus to create this kind of strange style which I think is now quite recognizably ugly bucket and I think we've really been able to develop that over the past couple of years and figure out kind of what we're good at and and it was, and Boshi Blues was like a complete snowball. It was a complete snowball where the first time we did it, we like begged, um, begged the university, like, please let us just put it on in one of the spaces for like one night. And we charged like a pound. It was literally, we charged a pound for people to come in and, and like, and then I think it was free for students. So if you weren't a student, it was free. And then it was a pound for everyone else. Um, and from that point on, yeah, definitely just a bit of a snowball effect. So we did the show again 
and again and we went and improved it and did it again at like other but we did it in the back of a bar once um just in like in this like little room like a, uh, I can't remember what the name is for the type of room you know what I mean like a party room yeah. um did it in the back of a bar yeah and and then it got selected for NSDF so we got to like it was selected for National Student Drama Festival which was massive for us um, and it really found its home at NSDF and um, like we, we won all these awards and we had like this relationship with Slung Low from it and that was just huge for us that was a massive tipping point as a company because um, we it was the first time that we were given like money because we won this prize and they gave us some money to make other stuff so yeah, and then it's like the past two and a half years has just been like, it is non-stop. So from both new blues and I don't know, yeah. And then Rachel could always talk about like the two clowns and stuff, but it's, it has been nuts. You'd think we were like it's been, 10 years old. It feels, it's been madness. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of gone from like, once we once we kind of established ourselves and got a bit of confidence in in what we were doing, um, then we made two clients one cup, which really pushed the comedy, and we really we really went for it with like um, just being like, let's just make this a really stupid, silly, funny show because we knew because like Grace said earlier, that's what we we liked and what we were good at. We were like, we can just throw these things that people really take seriously and go, Ooh, let's talk about you know female sex, and it's really important that. We, and we were like, let's just make it stupid. So then, um, then we took both of those shows to Edinburgh Fringe, um, which was just great. And, and it proper like, that was another one that really challenged us as a company because we took both shows and just did it alternate days. Um, so it was really nice for us to just like step out constantly, we're constantly just stepping out of our comfort zone, um, which then kind of brings us to where we are now um, in a way, which is good grief, um, where we've taken this topic that we, um, even don't fully understand going into it and we're like let's pick away at what grief is and what loss is and what it means to like understand and accept death and then make that silly and funny so um, yeah it's been that's pretty much where we are now. I think we've really started to figure out that what our kind of brand or like what we do is there's that ugly bucket I feel like if I had to sum it up it's like ugly bucket take topics that are taboo or hard to talk about and through like techno music and like the most outrageous physical comedy we kind of like make it accessible by because we don't beat around the bush and because like if you come to a show you like you're going to be really it's going to be really in your face we're gonna really delve into this topic head on that it kind of desensitizes uh or like not desensitizes it totally disarms that topic I think and I think also when you're able to laugh about something, it really opens up those doors of being able to talk about things and spark discussion. Um, so I think that's really what we're all about, yeah, is like channeling that through comedy and through music um, and, yeah, sparking discussion on social issues. Obviously, I want to come back onto it a little bit later on in terms of your themes and your topics and that your choices of that. Um, I'd actually quite like to just kind of touch on, you've mentioned it there, your uh, your style of your shows and your theatre, and you talk of it being clowning. Mm. And I think for some people, they hear the word clown and automatically go to a circus. Mm. And for that, so actually I think 
um, I'd be really interested to kind of know how, how you came about to choose that that is your style and kind of how that really helps with your, the shows that you create. I think, I think that clowning, I, I think you're right. When, when people hear the word clowning, they definitely um, think like white face, red nose, circus juggling. Um, but really to, to me, I think it's, it, clowning is so much more of a spectra, uh, spectrum. And I think like, it's about the definitely the way that we use clown. It's about um, heightening ourselves. So I think, and I think that's something that a lot of people use in clowning is kind of like taking uh, maybe what makes you like either. And a lot of the time it's in people's flaws and we kind of heighten that and make the comedy out of that. So I think that everybody's clown is um, totally different. Um, I don't, I don't think it necessarily means mime. It doesn't mean like speaking. I just think that it's the way that we present things in a kind of abstract way. And I think really at the heart of it, a clown's job is to make you laugh. And I, like personally, I feel whatever way that clown wants to go about that that's totally up to them but that's why I don't think I would ever say like oh this is clowning or that's not clowning um and I think sometimes the clown world can be quite what's the word guilty of that I think of of, of like putting it into a box and because there's all these different types of training especially like training in Paris and uh, you've got the Lecoq way and you've got the Gaulier way. And these are all, those are all total like methods and they're amazing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that clown is one thing. And so I think that that's something that Ugly Bucket definitely um, is a different type. In fact, that it's not subtle. Like I think it's, it's not subtle and it's um, totally outrageous. And I think it's more techno-based modern uh, style, but it's a, it's a really hard, funny question to ask because, like, to me, clowning is so vast that it's like we are one style that we've figured out and this is our way. Um, and it's just about taking what works. Mm. So when, when, when we put certain bits with different um, verbatim, so when we have a certain type of interview, you really know full well you're not going to use the same style of clowning that we did earlier in the show because this bit's really sensitive. So actually we're going to handle this in a totally different way. So we always talk about whatever elements work for us, because that's all you should do as, as artists anyway, is just take what works for you. Yeah. It, and that's where we, we, ta- we, we don't like to stick to rules. It's like, understand what it is. And then we can go, oh yeah, but I don't like doing that. So that actually, let's use that instead. Yeah. Whereas like, like Grace said, I think it's quite easy if you if you brand things as this is clowning, they go, oh, so it must be this, this, this. Because if you ask one person, they'll have a, a set of five rules. Someone else will go, clowning is about these really two important, two rules. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, really it's odd. But I think, I think to us, it, obviously the laughter, I think that's totally universal. And that's something that everybody understands about clowning is it's about laughter and it's about audience. Um, so like all ugly bucket shows totally um, the audience is definitely we're totally relying on audience and like without an audience our shows just don't exist or they don't it just it just can't happen and like that relationship is something that we've really been 
clowning really forces you to like experiment with that and listen it's like totally listening and that's why I think one each show can be totally different based on how that audience and I um are reacting that night and I think just like that's a really great skill to have I think that's why so many people will like do clowning as a skill even if they don't do it in the show but I think that like all actors and just as a company in general doing like clowning workshops and things like that it totally teaches you to listen listen to each other listen to the audience and to definitely swallow your pride I think like you have to swallow your pride and understand that whether you think it's the funniest thing in the world and um, if there's no laughter it's not and you've just got to let it go and try something new so I think that's been um really interesting and it's really strange to learn but I think it's definitely totally changed how we are as a company and how we perform in the fact that we will just try anything um and we're like totally open to whatever it takes yeah no I think that's it's really interesting to kind of hear that for I mean I work in industry in terms of that obviously but in terms of hearing that there is such a depth to what clowning is and like I said for a lot of people it's that stereotypical image of a clown in a circus Mm. that is very um can be difficult to get away from because obviously it is very iconic and you can I think it's like the lines are totally but sometimes I walk around in life and I might see something happen in the street and I'm like god that's good clowning um but I think it's like when you start to like open up those walls then you'll see so much and there's times where I watch something I go oh is that clowning I'm not sure I don't know I quite like that I don't know probably it is clowning because I don't know I think as long as it's challenging I think clowning is all about challenging and whatever you are challenging um I think I almost think the fact that the clown world are so serious about what is and what isn't clowning that's clowning that's hilarious why do like why do clowns care so much about what clowning is because it's literally clowning it's it's totally like it's such an absurd funny world um and I think yeah as long as you're challenging and questioning and pushing boundaries to me I probably go oh I think that might be clowning but it might not be to another person and I think that's great that's clowning everything's clowning in my world I'm like everything is clowning (laughs) salt and pepper shakers and I'm like god brilliant clowning um brilliant but yeah so I I think um it's totally yeah like you said it's it's the depth of it is like it's totally not one thing and I think when people know people know the one thing most people know the one and there's and there's like loads yeah absolutely um, so that kind of brings me on to the next bit. And um, you mentioned then you were just chatting about that for you guys, your audience interaction is even more important than anything else within your shows. Um, so obviously the last few months has been massively difficult for everyone. Um, how have you guys managed to adapt? Have you kind of managed to find ways to still be able to create, put things out there for your audience? Um, how has it kind of affected you guys really? So originally we were kind of touring um, and then obviously it all just started getting cancer. We were like, oh, wait a second, this is serious. And then we kind of went into like a bit of a shutdown mode, like where we were just like, no, 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 we're not doing anything. We're not trying to do anything. Let's just stop because everyone needs to stop. And this is weird and loads of people are dying. And then um, 
it just kind of we, we got to a point where then we started getting annoyed because everyone was posting about how productive they were being and how creative they were being and all these new skills that they were learning so then we started being like should we be doing that i'm annoyed no i don't want to be doing that why can't we all just have a day off why can't we all just why can't we all just stop for a day so then um um home in manchester released this like um commission like application thing and it was just one of those weird moments where me and grace just kind of sat there because me and grace um lived together and we were both like oh oh we could go for this and put something in then we're like but what we what we really passionate about at the minute nothing mm. but then we realized we were actually passionate about not being passionate about it. just just being like can we just stop yeah so then made um abc with with the with all the cast it was so such a nice experience because um everyone's got to do this weird creative project in lockdown mm. which is basically all about um that extreme of like being creative and being productive yeah and almost a rebellion against it we were just like can we just not stop yeah. putting pressure on ourselves we don't need to be doing all the time i think the, so. the like the motive behind abc was like what if we made because it was a film so we've never done film before so so we made like the short film and like the whole question, like I think we were asking was like, how far would you go to stay productive? Because it felt like in this area, as people are totally like, well, I'm more productive, I'm more productive. And here's all the when people literally give the permission And we were thinking stop, like, just stop, like, it's, it's fine. <laughs> it, was, it was just massive. We were like, okay, we'll do, we'll do a piece where we push it to its little limits. Because that really suited our style. And we like sent out... Um, ask people to send us verbatim where we asked the question how have you kept busy in lockdown and then we took all of that verbatim and kind of turned it on its head and twisted it and when we put it all together and then like the visual elements was just these people talking about what they were doing but we just pushed it to its like absolute limit and then it ABC like it's funny but it almost became like a mini horror like I don't it's still out and um, you can still go and watch it on the home website it's pay what you decide so you could literally go watch it for free and I don't even want to say much more about it other than like it's about nine minutes long and when it starts and by the time you get to the end you'll have no idea how you got to the point when again by the time you get to the end you're just like, I have no idea how we got to this um but it was, it was we totally trolled weird. everyone really we trolled everyone big time because the <laughs> Some of the audio was so nice and we were like yeah have you oh did you, you <laughs> bake cakes do you and like our visual is just like nuts but it was totally new because like like you said we like live and die with an audience and then doing it for film especially when some people were just mm. filming alone in lockdown and that's totally strange like the weirdest thing ever and I think like doing a film, it opened, it it totally closed doors to us in terms of like, it wasn't what we used to at all, but also the doors that it opened in terms of what we were able to achieve. I think a lot of the time when we create theatre, we're, we're quite guilty of, of going, well, if it was a film, it would literally snapshot to this. And we try and create that on stage and yeah. it just doesn't work. But in a film, be, and also the detail that you're able to go into in film. So ABC is absolutely full. You probably have to watch it. Like if you watched it three times, you probably see something different every time of like the detail of what's in the background, the detail of like that thing has flashed up for half a second and you're only going to see it if you pause it. 
but that is so exciting to me and I think that's what's so cool about making a short film is all like the hidden details because you know people might just go back and watch it again and um, that was totally and people so did fun. it when it first came out we were getting messages like no is that a hand that just appears you know and you're like, and you're like oh my god yeah it is it was just so it was so fun just like yeah totally playing with it in a different way was really nice um and then following on from that we then made holly blobs which was street theater that was in that kind of weird gap in summer when restrictions started getting lifted we were, we're sort of allowed to do something but not yeah, really we got lucky because we just jumped we just like fit that slot we like slotted in made yeah. something and then restrictions all went back again but we managed to do it in the time so i think we just been super lucky it was so lucky and it was just like look everyone could have fun but we all had to have hand sanitizer was the vibe it was very like fun but be safe so then we made these like um street theater aliens that basically just explored liverpool and it was just fun it was just really nice to just be like a great time like like grace said we were so lucky with like that little gap and they just got to have fun and people got to interact with them it was really nice and we did like holly blobs was basically a street troupe uh where we were these giant like the costume these they giant blue ridiculous aliens but they're on holiday on earth so that's the that's the only concept and the whole thing's improvised so we probably might go out and we spend about an hour just interacting with the public as these big blue aliens and the street theater is so different and the pub working with the public is totally different because people love it or they hate it and i mean like they hate it and they let you know they hate it um so i feel like you really have to get out your head if you do street theater you have to be fine if someone you have to be fine if someone doesn't want to play like that's fine you just move on to the next thing but like because oh you find moments of loveliness, you find so many nice moments, but it is really quite, quite awful when you try it with someone. <laughs> I feel like doing that in Liverpool as well. You've got some quite outspoken people in Liverpool. Oh, yeah. so I imagine we have people some... coming up to us going, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. And it's so mad that sometimes you can tell that like, especially on the street, people can't handle what they don't understand. And like, and they don't understand because it's just for fun. And that's all it was. It's just street there. It's for fun. It's, it's just, and people just, what's it advertising? And like, it's not advertising anything. And then people are like, but just enjoy it. Yeah. Just look at it. Yeah, just look, look at, it. at it. It's great. Isn't it fun? <laughs> and some, and some, and obviously people love it. And the people that like get it and they want to come and interact with you, they're the best people. But, but you will, you will get people that just like, don't get it and therefore don't like it um which i just think is sad for them <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely um it was i mean dan studied in liverpool for three years so he absolutely knows the the case of that i was there for a week in february before lockdown and had i'm going to describe it as an interesting week touring into liverpool um <laughs> it was a an interesting week of that didn't really stop at any point to be honest um but um so that kind of brings well a little bit nicely obviously you guys have just gone back into rehearsal yeah. for your latest show um which obviously we'll talk about a little bit more in the next bit but I just want to know like now that you're back into rehearsal um has much changed do you feel with everything that's going on your rehearsal room has become a feels like a different place it or really does and not and this isn't from 
like the, the COVID point, like sanitizer and distancing, it, like, I feel like that's fine and we've been able to handle that and adapt to that. What is totally different is the fact that for the past two and a half years, we have never not been in a rush and I don't know why, but I think just the way the company was going and we were on this trajectory and like opportunities just kept, just kept presenting themselves. We rushed everything that we did. We never, never wanted to say no. So we, so we were just constantly going and like, cause the trajectory was there and we were snowballing. We were, we, but it was like a snowball on a on a downward hill where we're just chasing it. That's what it felt like yeah. all the time. So then this happened, and, and it's been a really been a mad opportunity for me and Grace to just come together and just go, what is the company structure? What how does it work? And actually turn on business minds, which then has a knock on effect for rehearsal. Yeah. It's insane. Even just like it, the stuff that we've managed to do this time around. So like I, when we've done projects before, if we've got Arts Council funding, it's literally been that like we the funding comes through maybe a week already into the rehearsal process. It's just ridiculous, like stupid. Over, over no one but ourselves. For some reason, me and Rachel think that there are like these invisible bosses above us telling us what to do, even though we could just go, it, like it's our company, we don't have to. <laughs> it's like looking... It's like we we have this joke where we're like, oh, I don't think I can get that thing in tomorrow, but what am I going to say to the boss? And we're just like looking in a mirror at ourselves, like what are they can say. Anyway, but um, it's like th for this project, we like got the arts funding application in early. We weren't going to do it if we didn't get funding. And then when we got funding, it, we had like two, three months prior to just plan and we did production meetings and we like we had a we hired a lighting designer rather than for Rachel having to direct and do lighting and we have a stage man and it I cannot even express like the difference it's made to the company and just the fact that we have been able to let job roles go because I think I think Rachel would agree with me say that like when you we've made this built it from the ground up and it's we've done every job with the set is us and that is us so then letting go was like at first it was quite tentative and difficult to go right I've got to let go of these things and let other people do it but then the clarity and just the weight lifted and also people have done it I'm not a set designer so then you hire designers in and they've made a set that is of course it's a billion billion times better than we could have ever imagined or done but you've just got to let go of it and bring in great minds and I feel like this project we've had so many amazing people come and put their spin on stuff and now good grief is just looking to be like such a, a, a such a piece of work that I wasn't even in my mind like I'd never thought that we could have reached this level um so the whole process has been so different only and it's only because everything got cancelled and we were forced to take time and I think it's really taught us to take that time I don't know why we're in a rush. It's, we're not in a race. I think that's something that we've learned. It felt like we were in a race before with no one but ourselves. And now, like, taking the time and, and research and development and slowly figuring things out and having, like, oh gosh, it's been totally different. It's changed everything, I think. Uh, I think that's amazing to hear that for you guys as a company that actually, in a weird, weird way, lockdown and that being forced to take a break and yeah. um, it was a point a guest I did a podcast this afternoon made um that 
everyone take some time for yourself look after yourself and kind of have those breaks in it actually makes your when you then get back to doing it you feel a little bit refreshed you feel like you can look at things there and I'm sure for yourself the fact that you're not having to worry now about the lighting design or set design you can focus on what you want to create that actually that's and also it's um I think it's interesting because when you when you're using other people's skills and proper like drawing from people's expertise that's where that's where it elevates to a whole other level like that you just go I've always imagined this but that's within your realm of what you you know and what you're good at so then when someone else comes and goes oh did you know this is possible then you're like no can it yeah you can do it wow it's just so so good and now we value days off Whereas before we we didn't give ourselves days off because we were like, no, we can't be the best if we if we have weekends. What? And then actually you need the weekends to then come back and be good. Mm. And now we really focus on ourselves in like um I think I think before like I, I know that I've definitely been guilty of like comparing yourself to other companies or comparing yourself to why aren't we doing that? And like, you know, but I think now. I think we're much better at just like, I think focusing on our company and what we're doing and are we happy with where we're at? Do we feel like we've done better than that last thing we did? Regardless, like, it's, it's not about being like the best or the most or the, I think it's about, are we, do we feel happy as a company with what we're making? And then I think, yeah, I think that's been really beneficial to like learn and just start to like tune out the noise because there's so much of it. Um, and I think you'll just go a bit crazy if, you, if, if you're constantly comparing yourselves to other companies. Absolutely. I think it's, but that, like I said, it is all great news that you guys have kind of managed to A, put something out during lockdown, two different things, and then that your new project yeah. is in the works as well. Because um, obviously for a lot of companies, unfortunately, it's kind of been an unfortunate situation that they found themselves in. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving forward, we kind of let's touch on to your themes and your topics for your shows obviously you've got your new show good grief come in and your past shows that you've done are all as you said earlier touching on what a topic taboo topics or topics that people don't mm-hmm. particularly like to talk about or feel they can't talk about so um let's just kind of go over some of the topics that you guys have addressed already and with your new show as well so when we did both new clues the topic was um postgraduate depression um I think it took us a long time to say postgraduate depression when we were making it. I think for a while we were saying, oh, it's about post-university blues. Or it's about, and, and I right. think because we were quite afraid of the word depression and we were like, oh, gosh, it makes it not very serious, doesn't it? But really, I think that I think that it is such an unspoken, common issue that just doesn't get uh, it doesn't get the attention that it really needs so I think Bojie Blues was just all about giving that a platform and like I think that we definitely did rate we definitely raised that profile we definitely brought attention to it but like it's still a massive issue because like selling that show to universities was near impossible like really hard so you get some universities where you get like a really amazing drama teacher who sees the importance of that and therefore like brings us in but trying to go to universities who want to sell you a show which basically is about how horrible it can feel to leave uni they just don't want to know or that I think unis are like scared but when we did take it to unis when we did shows I think 
um, the response that we got was that the fact that people just really appreciate the honesty and and the show like isn't the show isn't a doom and gloom show it definitely addresses those issues but I feel like it ends with like the the promise and the hope of like that it's that the end of the university is an end but it's just a new beginning um and I think that's and even though I feel like to go oh it's hard when you leave university I think of course it is and I don't think that's a surprise to anyone I think that's all anyone thinks but I think when somebody comes in and actually says to you it is tough like we've been through it but look where we are now I think people just really appreciate that I think that loads of students really appreciated that so it was definitely um tough when like it I think it I think it could have gone to so many more universities and departments but it was really like trying to flog a dead horse really um so I don't think it's the end for both studio blues and I think it definitely has its place still but um yeah we wanted to I think tour it I'd argue even in the current climate currently my uh, stopgap job is currently working with students and from a welfare point of view with a lot of them and obviously in the current climate it's ridiculous so actually I argue you guys inadvertently might even have something that now is even more relevant even more than relevant. before yeah it's the thing is it's like it both you is never going to not be relevant because every single year there's thousands and thousands and thousands of graduates and everybody goes through the same thing every year so it just seems a bit outrageous I think that it's it's not being addressed really at all um yeah and then in terms of like um then we then we made two clients one cup and that was purely from like you just have funny chats sometimes like when you're with the girlies and you're just like you just like we we were just because um grace met crystal um during um hope street which was like um what i don't know what his class that it was like a course i did i did like a a devising course in liverpool where they basically like set company made a show but i met crystal and just like you meet someone and you just gel as performers and we were like god we've got to make a show together really that just yeah. kind of fits because like crystal's like Crystal's like majorly in love and just like totally like head over heels. Me and Grace were like single and fed up of it. And we were just like, Ehh. and then, and then all, like I said, you just have so many funny chats and it just, it just makes sense to make a funny show about sex mm. because honestly, some of the stuff, and like when you see two clowns on club, it's just so ridiculous. Some of the stuff that comes out of like what you go through I when do- you look, when you up and I think you're getting taught all the wrong things. The stupidity of the show only reflects the stupidity of what it's like to experience sex education as a female, and like, and the fact that there's so much as a female that you just have to figure out for yourself along the way, especially when it comes to like female masturbation, female orgasm, female pleasure, like. Um, I didn't have an orgasm, so I was probably about like 24. Do you know what I mean? It's just ridiculous. And, and it's like, it's just, it's just madness. And it is, and, and what we wanted to recreate in a show was that feeling that like, I think a lot of people have when they talk about sex is when someone opens up about something and someone goes, oh, I, I'm so glad you feel like that because I feel the exact same, same way. And that's kind of what the show does. 
um, in a nutshell, but it is, it's so outrageous and, and it was so ridiculous and, and funny to make. And like, there was even, there's even been like moments where like after show people have been like oh, i really loved it i'd love to see a male version <laughs> Which, and we're like well you make it like yeah, i'd love to see really that good. but like it's not it's not my journey and it's not my um it, it's not my perspective so if someone wants feel like to a man, it, amazing i feel like a man's conversation might not be quite as open as that as that's the thing and girls but we this is what we were saying is like because yeah that's that's the, that's the only criticism really that we've got about the show which was was people wanting a male version but we said in what world are me and grace going to turn up at some guy's house and go please do tell us about your sex life yeah. whereas the way we did those interviews was literally us in our front room with some like chocolate sweets and drinks and stuff mm. and was just like let's go girls yeah here we go and and then the whole show just came out of that but yeah it just wouldn't just wouldn't work I, for yeah. us i just like yeah, I, really. why I, and also i couldn't imagine like was coming out on stage and showing a load of and going okay listen boys um we're going to show you how you feel we know i don't know but like i'd love yeah. to see it i'd love to know because i also think the good thing about two clowns one cook was like i think girls came and girls relate and and also girls learn probably a lot about um because it is it's really it's it's almost like a second sex education like we really go into details we talk about like um penetrative orgasms clitoral orgasms like we really go into those details and i think we really teach girls like these are the things to explore this is how you can really explore your body so i think girls learn stuff i think boys learn stuff and i think like it's just really great to have that perspective so like if someone wanted to go and make two clowns on cut male edition i'd love to see it like go and make it i think that'd be great it's just not our it's not it's not our um journey or story to tell do you know what i mean yeah absolutely i get that it's you you have to be in the right place right time i think it would be quite i think it's going to be a very different type of show yeah it'd be as anyway, it's a very different thing it's, but i think it'd be hilarious i'd love to see it Amazing. So let's move on to your latest show that you're into just into yeah. rehearsal for. Yeah. I remember brief conversations or overhearing brief chats about it back in 2019 at the Fringe. And mm. um, obviously we're a long way past that, but it's amazing that you guys are into that. So let's chat a little bit about your latest show. So, so oh, go on. Well, I was just going to say with this one, in terms of the actual beginnings, if this is where one of those moments where things lined up. So um, we'd got, we'd been given um, a bit of funding um, from Slumblow. That was like back, back eight, that feels like forever ago now. Um, and they were just like, you know, you can make something new. You can come and come and make it in our, in our little working men's club. And it's so cool there. So we were like, oh my God, we'd love to do that. But we didn't have we didn't have the idea and we were maybe like maybe we'll develop an existing show um and then um one of our friends and he was an, an old lecturer at our university um he taught like comedy and that kind of thing and he was a real supporter for us he basically told us that he was um he was like dying of terminal cancer basically and he, he said do you want to come and um, meet, have a chat with me in the hospice so we went we went down to the hospice and then he was just like i'd like to commission you for my memorial please if you could make a 10 minute thing make it dead funny and make it you he's like because i just think you're all you're all so fun 
So we're like, yeah. and, and what just, do you even do with that? So yeah. He was like, do, do it. Go. He was like, just go. And we were and going we were like, like, and he was like, we were like, okay, what, what do you want? I was like, so he wants a 10 minute piece, ugly bucket piece about death forest memorial and we'd be going to him like okay so what do you want like this or that and he was like i don't know i won't see it he's like I'm, i'll be dead um but like yeah. he was like you I, I want you guys to just do it how you want to do it he's like i think it'll be great so um he had such a way of like of just being and he just like that's what he was he was like and just put his bay in you mm-hmm. and then that what like really took us off as a company as well is he put the faith in us and went Oh, can you come and do it at John Moore's? You know, back when we were doing like Boshin Clues, that and two clans, where he was the person that gives you that upper boost. <laughs> You're actually doing something right here. Mm. So then, with that, we then made the ten minute piece for his memorial that was hosted at the university. Um, that was really nice. But it was like a short film, and then um, everything just spiraled. More and more ideas because you can't you can't fit once you start with this sort of topic. You're just like, oh my god, oh my god. And then it really touched touched a nerve with with people that we were mentioning it to, and they were going, "Well, no one talks about grief, so how are you going to do it?" And then we're like, "Well, now we know that people go, yeah. yeah, we're just going to have to." Like- so that's where everything just lines up, and then all of a sudden we had the space that's on low, have the bit of budget, and then we go, "Let's go for it." And I feel like good grief was a really different type of process for us because with boasting two clans we we approached people we just we like would just straight up message people and go we're doing a show about this we want to talk about this do you want to interview with us and then with good grief we me and rachel really scratching our heads because we were we were being like we have no idea how like it's it feels doesn't feel right approaching people going oh i know that you've um lost someone do you want to come talk it was just so we were really like we don't quite know what to do but like we, the show was definitely in process and we were kind of struggling being like, God, who are we going to speak to? Um, and we would, you know, we were talking to some charities, like we were talking to the Good Grief Trust and, and like ex- exploring those avenues. But then because like, um, I think Ugly Bucket had got to a point where more people knew about us. And I think word got out that we were making the show about grief. People just got in touch with us and like the most like amazing interviews that we did for good grief were people that messaged us and said I know you're making a show about this I have to talk about my experience and that was just like amazing and and like yeah and it was it was it's just bad like it's something that's so because this one was the trickiest one to approach in terms of like like you said you can't just you can't just go to people oh tell me about that that really traumatic thing and like the the way I think with the interviews, like the the show is so visual, good grief, and it's only because people's the way that people talk about grief, it, it's such a personal thing that you could and you don't have the words for it because it's so immense this feeling and it's so engulfing and overwhelming. The only way that people really can describe it is through visual. So. The, the way that people talk and what they describe to us, like there's this whole section where uh, someone described grief as feeling like a spaceman on another planet. They, and, and then just from that one little snippet of sound, there's like this whole segment in the show where we like go to space and where there's these aliens that they meet. And 
so like yeah it was really like the interviews totally totally inspired all these incredible little visual moments in the show and the show feels super cinematic it feels super epic it's definitely our most ambitious um and I feel like and ambitious in every way I'm ambitious in like the technical elements that we've done and we've totally pushed our physicality we're totally pushing the comedy and I don't think I think we've never treaded that line more of comedy and tragedy and like I think we really like as a company to kind of you know balance along that line and go and question like what's funny and what's not funny and how can we push that and I think like as an audience member watching Good Breathe there's there's like it'll make you laugh and it makes you cry and then there's moments where you don't even know if you should be laughing or crying and I think that is what is what is the most exciting thing about good grief is the fact that it's such an experience as an audience and that and like there's parts where there's parts where I don't even know how to feel as a performer and I think that just like is so interesting and powerful and like it is like a total roller coaster, like you totally um I think um, yeah I think a lot of that kind of came from when we were when when we were with the interviewers like interviewees we were we were on a journey with them because sometimes people don't even necessarily realize where they're at with the grief and you know you can you can be talking about someone from from your past who's who's now died and and you're like oh yeah it's fine I can talk about them they sit down start and then they're in, they're actually in a whole other place and they're like oh this is actually way more you know sensitive than I thought or or some people will be like I I've been upset all the time I'll be able to talk to you about how upset I've been and then on the day when they're talking to you they'll Nothing. be like they'll be like well they were really nice that was great so it's just been it's just been so interesting to kind of and then finding what the message in the show is has been really interesting because we didn't know what it was going into it. Whereas I think with our other shows, we've kind of found a way through it. This felt like we need that. What, what What's the hope here and where are we going with it? Because because it is so all consuming as, a, as an emotion and as a feeling and experience, we really had to find that, what's that that we're rooting for at the end. And, think, and that can be interviews. Yeah, and I think we definitely, we knew from the start that this, that, and I think this is something that we've had to really learn like with all our shows is that we are not creating an instruction manual for grief and like I think we we definitely we faced this kind of battle when we did Bochum Clues and because it was like about mental health and, and we were making it about postgraduate depression we totally thought we had to solve depression in like an hour um, and then I think it was such a penny drop moment when we realized oh we don't actually have to do that and I think learning that from doing Bochum Clues and there was also like you don't have to do that and I think good with good grief there's no right way to grieve there's no correct way to grieve all we're doing is presenting these different perspectives and I think a lot of the time when people create in social issue theatre they think they have to solve social issues and and I think sometimes these topics is too vast and you literally can't you can't do that so I don't so why why like you know put yourself under that stress and that pressure literally showing the perspectives is enough because you're showing you're telling the story you're you're giving a voice and you're feeling is what we always try and try and remind ourselves yeah. also showing showing god isn't and like we said with two clients going 
that moment where you go, oh my God, I've had that. Yeah. Like, well, like um, my mum came out of good grief and went, I felt lonely like that as well. That's that. What she said was exactly what I was going through when, when you know, when my dad died, and I was like, "Oh God, that's exactly what that's what it's about." That's yeah. yeah, I just think we she's don't... not. I don't want to come out going. Yeah. Thank God that grief is solved. That's it's not, not what it is. Yeah, I think we've really learned to not tell but show, and I think like mm. that's something that like when you if you're creating your own work, I think it's a I think it's a good lesson to learn. I think it creates more interesting work when you um are not telling an audience like how they should feel or how they should think or or how they should act but I think just show the story just tell just show us and then let the audience process it how they're going to process it and you'll find that it'll probably it'll probably be what your intention is but um yeah I think show not tell is is definitely what we're much better at doing now yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. And you hit the nail on the head. Everyone, you can't tell anyone how to deal with their grief because no. I don't think anyone knows how you're going to react, but it is something that um, we all go through mm. at some point. Um, so, but knowing that you're not alone in that, I think for a lot yeah. of people would be. That's the, bit. the main, I think that's the thing. Every show that we do. Yeah. Every show that we do, it's about um, showing like uh, unity, creating unity in our audiences is is totally it's like it's a real experience and I think also because the shows are so intense and high energy I do think coming to an ugly bucket show is such an experience for an audience because um the topic unites you and then also just going through this like kind of base filled high energy like oh my god we're packed into a dark room and it's probably really hot and really sweaty I think that's a real experience and I think um yeah, I think I think like being able to create it definitely creates connection um, and sparks. Like then people having this conversation afterwards is, I think, what it's really all about. Which is absolutely amazing. So it kind of brings me on to this kind of obviously you guys are where you are now with this ability to create, as you've said yourself, this piece of theatre that is on another level again and another step up uh, for you guys. So um, I just want to kind of talk about for you guys on that fairly rapid rise of what is it is it four or five years two and, and a your... half years two and a half literally and a half. people go we, we honestly we did I a had thing it as four in my head we had a we did a thing not long ago where people where someone said oh so tell us about the past five years for you and we went it's it's not been five years we were like it has been like so it really is fringe it's edinburgh fringe 2017 was was that your first one or was it 2018? Sorry, 2018 was your first was... fringe. No, yeah, no, 2019. 2019. 2019. We, did, we did fringe last year. It's just madness. I can yeah. swear you've been twice. No, but no, no. It's, utterly baffled. It is unreal how like much. 2020 done. being cancelled has thrown me all out of rack. Yeah, um, when we say we've not had a day off. <laughs> <laughs> no weekend. That's yeah, that really does kind of put that into perspective. So even more so for that, um, for you guys, what have been the kind of platforms, the opportunities that have really kind of you felt have made that difference? Because mm. obviously there are yeah. lots of theatre companies who try and get off the ground and try and get somewhere and don't quite make it for whatever reason. And I think if for you guys, what were those real like key platforms, those opportunities that you were like, if it hadn't been for this, yeah. we, it would it would have really... just stayed as a group. 
honestly, I cannot even stress enough how much that we are only at the place we are. We're only at the place we're at because of help, because of because because other people have pulled us up and other companies have pulled us up. Uh, National Student Student Drama Festival was massive for us, huge turning point. Um, I would recommend anyone if you're like within the bracket that you can apply and I feel like it's I think it's like five years after graduating I don't, I don't know take my word for it but if you can apply to National Student Drama Festival with a show what have you got to lose literally apply um then Slunglow have done absolute wonders for us and we met Slunglow at National Student Drama Festival Slunglow have just been total total um have backed us so much and given us so much opportunity wise and, and like it really does blow our minds. Um, that, that, that you just can't believe people. like what they what they have to give, and they give it, yeah. and they're just like they're just like please, just you know, like even us them giving us that space to build good grief where we just lived, and, it, and they have rooms upstairs, so they let us stay over, and we just stayed there for two weeks, come downstairs, rehearse upstairs, and the whole time they're just being so like we're here if you want us you know we're always there to help and it's your space you're always welcome doors are always open just to have that hear that as a company yeah. is is insane um, um new diorama theater in london has, has been huge for us like that their support onto their um emerging companies scheme mm. which is which was so useful for us in terms of like having that feeling with coming back to that feeling where you're like oh my god we're not on our own because they um do that um company scheme thing had like um workshops on producing and then we realized oh we're a self-producing company mm. so then you can use that then and when you know that you then see you know self-producing company workshop and you're like that's what we are yeah. whereas we didn't know that before meeting new diorama and them going this is who you are you're an emerging company and this is what this means yeah and here's get better and how to meet other companies that are the same as you yeah. or similar and um, just, i just think even so they're like the big they're like big organizations that really helped us but, but even just like old university lecturers um like people that we've worked with before people that we met in uni, like guest people that come in or the practitioner any i feel like anybody like who has been like um like not above us but you know with more experience um we've had so much help and we've like beg borrowed and steeled like totally like when we were starting out um we asked all the time yeah and like literally I, like what like some of the last advice that tim gave to us um was he was like don't be he was like don't i think what would he say he was like he was like say yes to every venue every audience and he was like don't be afraid to ask and I think that's mm. massive I think literally um asking people for help like is everything like it, like yeah asking yeah just ask just ask people it's even people ask us now we're like we I like when people we get emails we get messages where people are like looking for an opportunity or they want to know about arts funding. Like we're, I'm just so glad that people just ask because we're so willing and we're so open to do that. And we want to help people in any way we can because we really want to send, I think it's so important to send the elevator back down. And I think like, that's really what we've experienced is those people that have got to position, they've sent the elevator back down for us and they've brought us back up. And now I think, um, obviously I don't think, we're not in the same position 
but I feel like more and more when we get um when we start when we move up and we're starting to get into a position now where we're like okay how can we send that lift back down and how can we bring those people up because otherwise we wouldn't be where we are and I'm sure that the companies before us who have helped us they're not going to be where they are without those people and I feel like it's just totally totally integral to the art community and like it probably doesn't happen as much as it should which is why I think like yeah you have to like it's, it's your responsibility if you've been helped you have to help and, and I just don't there's no excuses I don't think <laughs> Think that's something that you can put right across the board entirely i think it's um we all feel it i know someone gave me the chance to get to do that and open doors for me and i mm. feel that obligated is not quite quite the right word but i feel like i should I, if i've got the opportunity to help someone else get somewhere i feel like i should give them that opportunity also i think you're just going so, to be a happier happier artist i think it's just like yeah it just not makes your heart life happier you're not in competition and I think when you eliminate that that kind of thought process that you're not in competition with anyone, um, I think it just I think it it just like your life becomes just easier. Um, your especially like your artistic life. Um, because audiences aren't audiences aren't bothered. Audiences don't, they don't care where you've come from. <laughs> that show, they just go. They walk into the space. They go. Do I enjoy that show? Yeah. Love that leave or they walk in and go that was a bit rubbish leave They're like most audiences do not care about company versus company but like care about yeah. like the work that you make do you like it are you happy with it do you feel it. that it's representative then like make the work like do the work focus on the work it's so easy to get sucked into everything else but like I think we have to constantly remind ourselves uh, especially as we book it like grows and we're putting like our business brains on and um, it's so easy to forget about like why are we doing this or is are we happy with the work are we happy with the show is the show the best that it can be um and if the answer is no then we need to get our heads in check because it, it that's like the, it's the most important thing and it sometimes it doesn't feel like it is especially running a company especially being a self-producing company sometimes I think it's really easy to think that the show maybe is like the fifth important thing on the list but you I think we totally have to remind ourselves that that every time we go on that stage that audience is getting the show that we want them to have and that's your product at it's the, end the of product the day. that yeah. is what you're providing yeah it's, it's about the experience that you're going to give them and like if an audience miss out on that experience because I don't know because you oh gosh the admin I think that's something I, yeah that's something for you that no matter what level you are at what you put on that stage for that particular night is what that what matters. group of people see that and that's what they see and when they walk away and depending on how their reaction is and then if they if they really enjoy it obviously they're going to tell their mates more people are going to come mm. see it if it's not great they're going to tell their friends and it's that thing so yeah I, I totally agree that regardless of what level you're at that show is the key yeah. key thing for it totally um touch for you guys uh things this and it's quite interesting and i know chatting to you guys and you have a slight unique look on it and um, how did you guys find the edinburgh fringe and the festival in general as a platform and as an experience for you guys as a company 
So I'd like to start as a platform because that is where we um, we met um, Kevin from home at Edinburgh Fringe, and we just got because we were literally um, doing like emails non-stop the whole the whole time we were there from like whenever we weren't flyering we were just sending emails to programmers and reviewers not obviously no replies but just just no um and then you just have that one little moment where kevin then messaged like ah oh, i saw your show really enjoyed it fancy a coffee we all go for a coffee and then he was like great and and it's those moments when you get someone going i'm on your side yeah and then so that you that only, got us that you only need that one person you only need that one person to believe in you and to like what you do which like which is kevin from home from our Edinburgh fringe experience was that person which has led on to so much for us like so much we've done yeah. with home so like sometimes it feels honestly the Edinburgh fringe is we had an amazing time and i literally like have PTSD over it and we had an incredible and I had an amazing time but I look back on it with like the, it's, it's the pressure and like pressure. Oh that, is, that is where you go oh we are in competition so I everything have, that we yeah. just I have never felt at the end of more in competition like void. like, like totally literally agree. posters like thousands of posters you just the first thing you do is you walk it I've because I've been to Fringe, as I've worked at Fringe for like seven years before we like went to Fringe. And like when yeah. I come as an audience member slash like I'm just like front of house, I'm looking at all these posters, go, oh, all these shows to say, oh wow, amazing. Oh, look at this Fringe pro, it's like that. And as soon as I stepped into Edinburgh as a company with a show, it was like it's a horror nuts. film. It was like horror. Like, look at all these. I'm in competition with all these people. You want to cover them all. You want to that poster looks good. That the poster. And honestly, it's the hardest thing we've ever done was was doing Edinburgh Fringe. And it's the hard like I. If you're a theatre company and like no matter what you do, the Edinburgh Fringe will be the hardest thing you ever do if if you're going to do it because it's totally totally stress draining. And like it's even when it's great and like we. Um, we sold out across two weeks and we found it stressful and hard. And so like, I can't, so then we were saying, what about the companies where you're, you're also putting in the you're same not, amount of work yeah. and like, you, you're not getting people coming into your show. It's, it, it really, be, really uh, hurts to think that people can go put in as much effort as we've done, as we did, um, have a show just as amazing. And then, people don't come yeah. and that literally breaks my heart because i'm like we were just lucky and i know that we were lucky in that sense and we we, we kind of had a nice build up to it that then it, it all kept going and we were so lucky but it's just like it's just so horrible to say that people just, wouldn't i think and i think it's quite you can't enough. put your, um you can't put your self-worth onto it because that is where it's so dangerous yeah. where you're like if I don't sell out, I must be awful. Mm -hmm. Or they're selling out, therefore they're grey. No. And you see yeah, people do that. People do that. And also, I think it's a little bit, um, it's quite like, I think also like working at it, you see people that, Edinburgh Fringe kind of sells this like dream. And I think, and I think it's, I think it's um, not a reality. It's just not It's a, a very, very narrow dream yeah yeah, yeah. and like there are very very few companies who will get to mm. that point and go from there i think 
uh, obviously myself and Grace have worked for the same company for a number of years now and we're that and I would say your show was massively successful and you did really yeah. well I mean you couldn't get a ticket to it um you were constantly coming to us asking can we squeeze people in where can we fix people and we'll absolutely do that I was involved in one show at the fringe where I had a financial interest in it and it was the most stressful thing of my life I didn't speak to one of my best friends for a year afterwards because we fell out mm. afterwards because of everything so it became a massive kind of thing but um yeah it's such a narrow potential margin I would say in the time the company we've worked for I'd say two companies have achieved what you would say is that dream of moving from a venue where you guys were onto one of the big mm. big four and big players and it's that's one out of and we have what 120 shows at our venue every year exactly I've worked a show uh, it was a couple of years before we went and I was I was literally just doing some tech on it and it was so 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 horrible like they because you you just go in every day to perform it to two two three people Mm. because it wasn't and and it was a relatively big space really where we were and you're just like when you and then you're hearing how much money people have spent on it yeah. and that oh my God. Like, like i think the platform is there like there is the yeah. potential for that but i think the work to get into that you have to be prepared to absolutely I think, run i think it's just when you really think about how now like you're saying how narrow that margin is so so like yeah the platform is there and if it goes right for you where like it is like that is so so difficult but if it goes right you you might get know something out of it and and it might blow up for you but when you compare that narrow margin with I mean fringes disgustingly expensive it's gross it's outrageous how much money people pay it's actually when you think about it potentially it's not the show itself that is really costly bit and the fringes and your research with the fringe is that isn't hugely expensive for what it is it's everything associated around it yeah you have to live in Edinburgh, which is literally, isn't it the most expensive place to live in the whole UK or something? Outside of London. Outside of London, yeah. I mean, I, I live in Edinburgh um, currently as well, so I'm well aware of that. But it's, um, so yeah, outside of London, but there is no London waiting. And then when you hit fringe time, I mean, the room I rent in my digs here is worth in excess of 400 quid a week. Mm. And it's what just- What the hell? It's just, we, uh, and like, we had to like, come like so you've got that narrow margin you it might you could get something out of it you your chances are that you probably won't get that much I mean we did well and like we got like one good contact and we messaged hundreds and hundreds of people to come and see the show like hundreds and so and then and you spent all that money and like consider and people that can go every year it's just not it's not accessible it's just not accessible. So I'm like... You have to look at what you're really trying to get out of why you're going to the, the biggest fringe. problem with the fringe is people not going for the right reasons. Um, mm. And I think if, if anyone's listening to it and you're a company and you're thinking about why am I going to the end of the fringe, if it's just to take a show to the end of the fringe, it is not worth the money. It's not worth the money. Not at all. But if you're going because you either want to get a tour out of it you want to raise your profile, you want to reach new audiences. I mean, that's all fine, but you've just got to know if you just want to go and experience the Edinburgh Fringe, it like that is too much money. It's too much money. You've got, I think, and I think so many people go for that reason and they like, they like 
like there's like these horror stories about how people have raised money or what they've spent or what it's like student loans and it's just like it's not worth that <laughs> it's not worth that no like you've absolutely got to go to that um it's when yeah you go with a, a target in mind of what you're there yeah. to achieve and that's what you're there for um I look back at the time um I was involved in the show I went I don't even think we even thought about that it started out as just a thing just of we apply for some rights to a show and then that was that and next thing I know I've got a 30 grand budget it's of a show a, that we it's an absolute did. beast and going as a company it's really easy to fit I think someone once described it as like a slaughterhouse like Edinburgh Fridge like and like all the companies are just meat you just meet on hooks and then people just and, and it does feel like that it's like and choose. if it goes great great we we had a great time and and I look back like on it like kind of awfully <laughs> even though it was like yeah amazing I think the co- the companies who have a good time are the ones who have got that clear goal in mind yeah. of what they're there for yeah so like on some programmers we'd been in touch with months and months before and we made them know that we were at Edinburgh. So then we already knew there were, there were going to be people at the show who could yeah. program in, then in the future. So we're like, if we get nothing out of this, they've at least seen us do this. Mm. Like they've seen a show mm. that maybe they wouldn't have done before because that's what it is really. You need If you're going, you need to use it as that's where the programmers are. That's where the reviewers are. Yeah. yeah. So. And just get those quotes from reviews. That's what that's yeah. what you're getting out of. As long as you just know. Just know what you're going for. Yeah, yeah. do your homework and, mm-hmm. and accept that it's going to be expensive. Yeah. It's just the unfortunate nature that it is. Don't and, expect to profit. I mean, you won't make profit. Like, no one, me, no one makes yeah. profit. Hardly anybody makes profit. So I was looking at me. But, yeah, so I think it's... Having been in Edinburgh during August this year, obviously with everything being cancelled, I think the city might have changed its mind on quite how important the festival is to um, it. Um, it was dead. It was disgustingly dead. And the amount of places that have gone out of business because they've not had that because of that yeah, yeah. fall has been quite large. And because there's now no Christmas market or Hogmanay, it's even worse. Mm-hmm. So I think it will be very interesting next year when it comes around. Would you guys do it again? Yes. Yeah, we... Um, we would do or it were again. you to do it again <laughs> we would That's what I was like, oh my were you booked in 2020 should <laughs> i say yeah we were meant to be there in 2020 um and then uh if we did it again i think it would be we said we said last year we wouldn't do it again we couldn't do it every year there's no way we could do it every year and i think like we said if we were going to do it again it would have to be like with help or um yeah, I think, and then I think we'd have to really reevaluate like what what your aim is, or like what. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, because then it's like if you if you do, if you're doing well, do you need to go? Is it worth the stress? Go go as a company on a trip for a, for to watch some shows, yeah. but don't put yourself through the stress if you don't need to or the or the financial burden. Mm. Yes. Yeah, we were meant to be there last year, so if it goes on next year we should be there but i feel like there's, there's still even now like a big question mark over fringe hence, hence our ambiguousness yeah we're quite like i don't know so 
we ask everyone on the podcast these same three questions. They're a little bit random and they're turning out to be more difficult than I thought they'd be. But hey-ho, it just kind of is what it is. Um, If you had a dream show that you could work on, that you could produce or to be involved with or a company or an artist, what's your dream show to be involved with? A dream show to be involved. Yeah, so like if you had one... What was that? Good grief. <laughs> Good grief. Uh, I could absolutely say yourself. I, absolutely fine. I don't know about show, but company. I don't know. You, I've, I've got one, Rachel. If you, is it somebody else's? Is that what we'll go? Is that you? you... It doesn't have to be. It could entirely be your own. If that's your, if your, if your dream is to have your own show and to hit. Um, so I was chatting to someone this morning. His dream wasn't a show, but was to. I've got to work Madison Square Garden. Don't care what it is, where it is. I've got to be involved in a show at Madison Square Garden. So it could literally be, what is that dream place you've got to get to? That could be artist, venue, whatever it is you want to do kind of thing. Um, from Go there. on, Grace has got an answer. Uh, I was just going to say, in, in like company, like I, I, um, I love Spy Monkey. And I feel like I saw a Spy Monkey show when I was like, when I was in school, like GCSE. And I feel like it really changed everything that I thought about theatre. And like, I think just, I just think they're just so cool. And I, um, yeah, and I think having like watched them for like years, if there was like time, like an opportunity to like collab with like, I know, another company, I just think that'd be just so like, what? Um, I just love them. I think like the comedy is hilarious and like their style. And yeah, I think they're really ballsy and I've always loved that. Um, in terms of like dream, I have, I have no idea what like the show is or what, but I do, in, I've said, I feel like I said to Rachel, I'm like, one day, I just want to do, because when we did the Good Grief auditions, we had like, how many people, I don't know how many people in the room, like 30 odd people in the room, um, and we only had place for like two people out of, the, out of those people that came to audition, and the standard was just outrageous, like people were incredible, and I said to Rachel then, I was like, God, wouldn't it be amazing one day, just one day to do a show, with a, an ugly bucket show with a cast of like 30. It'd just be like, imagine like the, how thick, just because the shows are so high energy and mad anyway, I'm just like in my head, I'm like, imagine that with like a huge chorus of people. I just think it'd be so cool. Uh, but that would probably be a long way in the future and probably a technical nightmare. But like, yeah. how cool would it be to, to like have like tons of people in an ugly bucket show? just feel immense i'd love to do some big like you know some big like mad ridiculously extravagant drag show mm. like a big like that's but that's so precise and like high-end top-notch i'd love something like that and then totally on the other end um i've been working with 20 stories high and that 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 company are just incredible. They're like a c- community based, just making work that like is right for the young people that are kind of like in this community. And I just love stuff like that. So I'm just I feel pretty blessed to be honest. Because yeah, good grief is the one. That's the show. We're living the dream. The We're doing our dream. There you go. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Honestly, it's like I love just I love just like I I've been through grief and then making the show with it and like. There's some audio from from my mum and dad in it that's just that's just so um, real and honest that you, that's just like this is what I want from theatre, just like proper 
honest conversations. So, I also, yeah, maybe, maybe a Greek tragedy one day. I just want we love the drama. We've talked. We've talked a lot high about high. Greek tragedy and just oh god, there's the that the drama in it. Oh, we'd love to do a Christmas show. That is a dream. Show. I okay. love. I would love one day. So if anybody's listening Christmas and show. wants like an alternative Christmas show for their venue, I just think <laughs> it's something that we'd love to do one day. I'd love to do like Ugly Bucket does Nativity or I don't know. I don't even know. But I just think I'd love to do like an alternative kind of, not a panto, but do you know what I mean? Like a Christmas show. Yeah. I just think that'd be boss. I'd love to do that one day. There's loads. You've, oh, asked really... You've opened, the I've I've opened the floodgates. Yeah. That's it. I'm like, now, now my brain's like, there's loads. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. But that's amazing. The fact as well, I love the fact that for you guys, it's the your idea of where you want to get to is the future of your company that you're mm-hmm. already there that it's yeah. there's that kind of idea and that pathway which is great um this one is very random and it always intrigues me to answers um just because it's quite funny um what is after a show what's your go-to snack what is that one thing after a show that you go for i've had answers like mackie's um erin from glasgow was uh pickled onion monster munch Mm. Um, you love I thought you love them. No, I like flaming hot monster oh, yeah. munch. I mean, I'm, hot, I'm definitely I'm partial the one. to the monster munch. Um, I don't know. It's for me. It's got. It's got. It's, it's sugar because the, because honestly, I'm I because I get quite nervy. I'm a real fiend for not eating or drinking like water before a show, and then the shows are like so high energy and sweat that um when it's done i am i am on the verge of fainting i'm just gonna i'm just gonna collapse so i just i, I think probably just i normally will always have just a double decker somewhere on me at probably all times amazing so probably a double decker <laughs> i find mao i'm everywhere so don't worry i <laughs> emptied my i did my toolbox from march like literally a month ago and there were still bags of mao i'm sat in the top of it so <laughs> kind of answers that question but yeah, I, there is always that, like a lot of people, there is just that one thing that that's what yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so last question, and this one's kind of, we may have covered it already, but I think it's just always a nice way to kind of end it. Um, if there's one piece of advice that you could give yourself when you were first starting out, that you obviously know now, what would that be? Or that you could give to someone starting out their career today? that one piece of advice that you go, I wish I knew that mm. on day one. I, I think mine would be, mine would be trust, trusting yourself because I was really bad at being like, because you're so early on and then you're comparing yourself to, uh, comparing, comparing as well as a massive one, but you, you, you're so starting off, comparing yourself to other people and being like, I'm not doing it like that. I'm not very good because I'm not doing it like that. And just like, you you are good enough like that's if you if you're passionate about the work that's all that matters my advice would be and it's advice that um that i heard from alan at slunglow one year um was the it's about i think it's more about if you're setting up a company um if you're starting out and you want to start a company um is that world doesn't need another theater company so I think too often when people are setting up a theatre company, um, they might, people kind of, so I know some people, they put together a company before they've even got a show idea. 
and then people like and then they make the logo and the name and they do the Facebook page and they make a website and then at some point they'll sit around the table and go does anybody have any show ideas and really the world doesn't need that but what the world needs is the show that you're going to make what show are you going to make like why is it important why do you have to do it now um and make that show that your brand the brand the company the the bar, you know the logo it'll all come later if you put everything that you've got into the show that you present like we were talking about the audience what the, what are the audience going to see what's the experience you want them to have let that lead you into your name and your, I don't know it'll all come that stuff will come let it happen organically I think too often I, I feel like I see too many like people graduate and then put together a company straight away and and don't I don't know don't 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 make a show don't think about a show or don't make a show do it make a show make the show that you think the world needs and do it in whatever way you can and put it on in any way you can and then everything else will just follow everything else will just happen and i'd say stick with people that um stick with people that you admire and that challenge you and help you get better because that's always really good as well amazing i think it's a great way to kind of an advice to end on for anyone out there at all really mm. um Guys, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Thanks so much for um, having us. That's no problem at all. It's been great. Um, obviously, we will fire all of your social media links and everything in descriptions and information. So definitely, we'll get everyone. We can go check it out. Oh, thanks. Thank you. No worries. Have a lovely evening. Thank you for listening to the Stage Is Yours podcast. Want to know more? then head over to all of our socials. You can find us at Stage Is Yours Pod, where you can catch a cheeky glimpse at some of our upcoming guests and subscribe to our YouTube channel to make sure that you never miss an episode. This has been the Stage Is Yours podcast, talking all things theatre and events. Until next time.